Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Internet Marketing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode uh, 86. In 86, fact. yes. We're getting nearer and nearer that 100, aren't we? We are. And I have uh, in the studio with me uh, Mr. Calvin Newman. Hello, hello. And this is Internet Marketing brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com or co.uk. Um, or both will work. Dot whatever you want. Yes. Com or co.uk. Site Visibility. And it's a questions and answers. And uh, I have um, four questions yes. on paper. So you will you will hear a papery sound as I read yes. them out. We're nice slightly. and analogue there. You know, works yes. best. Yes, we've gone back to analogue. We're very retro in this podcast. Um, so yes, question and answers. Let's start with the first one uh, from uh, John Rooston. I think he's from the UK. Um, hi, Kelvin. Firstly, absolutely brilliant podcast. It's amazing how few there are out there uh, that are actually of some use to SMEs rather than just the make a million in a day by affiliate marketing types. So thank you for your hard work in producing it. Kind words. I, yeah, we're, kind we're not big big fans of those kind of make money by making money, um, you know, podcasts and the like. But, you know, they've got a place and you can learn from them. But yeah. He continues, I've been listening for a while, but haven't heard this covered. So if it is, I apologize. But I have a quick question. To protect my brand, I have a number of URLs, .co.uk, .org, uh, .biz, .co.com, etc., which currently all reflect to one site, or sorry, all redirect to one site. I'm going to start a magazine advertising campaign, and to track the effectiveness of this, uh, I was wondering if I could use a different URL in each magazine and then track the number of hits to that URL. E.g., magazine one advert shows the sitename.org.uk URL. Magazine two shows the sitename.biz URL. Uh, Then if the .biz gets more hits, magazine two is more successful. Does this make sense? Um, I know I could do this by having a www.sitename.co.uk slash magazine one plus an offer, but this seems clunky. And if I know people, they're likely to miss off the magazine one as people are aware enough to hit the home site uh thanks for any help cheers john yes yeah no it's an interesting question and i can see where um where john's coming from there that they're so if you own all of your domains which is always good practice to avoid anyone else getting them and squatting and that kind of thing um he's doing the right thing from a search engine perspective and from a usability perspective that you've only got one version of the site really live and the other ones are redirecting there so if you own the .co.uk, you redirect to the .com, you redirect the org, the biz, the info, the me, the .co, all of them that you're redirecting there just to the 
the homepage is good practice. But I can see his challenge there that he's in, he's doing some offline marketing, but is concerned about um, tracking you mm. know those leads. And yeah, that's a a good issue there. And I can see his logic. Well, I've got all these different domains. If I set them up separately, have a different URL in each of the magazines, yeah, I'll be able to see what the 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 traffic is from those magazines. But there's a real danger there. And the reason you don't have all these set up separately anyway is because even though they could be identical websites, the fact that they're on two different URLs confuses search engines. So they think there's two different websites there. Mm. And that's why we never recommend not redirecting them for that very reason. And the problem I can see is that um, he could, if he set these up, um, have the magazine um, adverts there, that there's then a danger that they could get indexed. There is a workaround there whereby he could set these different versions up and then block them to search engines and then only track the traffic that comes through um, to those sites. So he, he no indexes, blocks them using the robots.txt file. But I think that's a bit risky. I would personally always go with that option that's the kind of forward slash, you know, so say you put in an advert in the Daily Mail, so you go kelvinsdomain.com forward slash Daily Mail. Mm. Um, because you're then not duplicating website, you know, not duplicating websites, you're not going to confuse Google. Um, and just keep it a bit simpler there. You could do it having the separate domains, like you said, but you then have to start getting into blocking whole websites. And there's just, I think, too much risk to that for the the downside to it. So I would mm. maybe go that way. Another option, again, is if you kind of got a text-based advert and there's a little bit more space to it, rather than having a particular um, URL that you you have, you can almost have a particular different discount code. So that wouldn't solve the problem of tracking how many people have looked at the advert, then come to your website and then don't do anything. But you mm. could at least track those people who've looked at the advert and then turn into a sale by offering a specific discount code to them. So it might be to get 10% off, use Daily Mail 1 as a discount code. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I can see where he's coming from. I probably wouldn't risk the separate domains because I think it's, um, you know, is going to cause all kinds of problems anyway. And it's also worth stating that in offline adverts as well, people, even if you put in the specific URL, what they'll probably do is search for your brand on Google anyway and then come through as a search referrer. It's it's very, very difficult to track offline adverts in that way. And it's a issue that multi-million pound businesses struggle to deal with. So yeah. I would say for a kind of an SME, it, yeah, it's, it's going to be a challenge there. I like your first solution. Yeah. Sorry, I did mentally blink because yeah. I had to go and close the window. But it, it sounded like you were saying his site dot, I don't know, com yeah. slash and then Daily Mail yeah. or slash and then whatever the other magazine was. Yeah. That is exactly what Audible do. Yeah. Because there are loads of podcasts out there that are sponsored by Audible. Yeah. And what Audible do, they have a special domain for the affiliates called audiblepodcast.com and then it's slash, you know, underpants podcast yeah. slash, yeah. you know, the uh, ball bearings podcast yeah. or whatever. So it's, it's exactly what they're doing. And, and they do that to... Ch- and that- that tracks affiliate cash, doesn't it, for the, the Audible one as well? There, I think, does it or not? I don't uh, know if you can. Or... Probably. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't. Yeah. What I don't know is there whether they're doing the sponsoring, whether they're just doing it to track it. I think they might even have a, like an affiliate scheme going on behind there, where there's revenue implications, which means they're obviously reasonably confident in the the accuracy of that. So, yeah, I think the forward slash and um, then having a particular um, page just for that would work mm. best and that also gives you another opportunity that you probably wouldn't necessarily get um with uh, going for a different version of your domain which is um so do a specialized landing page mm. so you go read our ad in the 
Daily Mail U magazine or read our ad in Podcasting Monthly or whatever it is. Mm. And then you can have a specific landing page talking about that magazine. And it kind of improves the interaction because you're showing the customer um, that you've... Um, that you've really paid attention to where they're coming from, that you understand their process. And in fact, you might tailor your copy slightly different depending on the magazines, as it were. So sure, yeah. I think, is, is John a wedding? Yeah, a wedding photographer. So say he was putting, um, he did one in, I know there's a series of magazines in the UK, like Your Sussex Wedding and Your Kent Wedding and all these kind of things. So say he's putting adverts in all those different magazines. Yeah. There. Um, he could then, on the landing page for the Kent Wedding one, uh, mention Kent-based cities, you know, or venues in Kent that he's covered in the past. When on the Sussex one, he wouldn't mention them. He'd mention the Sussex-based ones. So you're kind of tailoring your copy down there as well. Another third way that I've mentioned, not mentioned here that is a possibility is rather than using the duplicate versions of your site, mm-hmm. um, so the .biz, the .info, you could set up some completely separate mini micro sites which aren't there to do particularly well on search engines. They're just there to... Um, track this so you could have almost like a landing site yeah yeah so you yeah. almost have like um you know john's wedding john's kent wedding ad.com or whatever it is you know like it you would have a specific url that only exists in that advert doesn't duplicate the main site because it's only one page maybe two pages of content and then links through to your main site you can then click um you know keep track of all the clicks to that page and then know that no one will have got to that website unless they were in um unless they saw that advert you can block that to search engines and because it's a freestanding couple of page website it's not going to duplicate your website in the other way that setting up and using the same domain but with a different extension would does that make sense andy you know it's sort of i've yeah. got another question though. would, yeah. uh, would uh, the uh, google uh, link builder tool have any relevance here or is it not the right tool to use well yeah i mean that I mean, that is, in fact, that you're giving me an even better, another idea again, actually, as we're, we're talking well, through you it. you see, that's what I'm here yeah. for. Yeah, so what, what you could do <laughs> is you could have, so say um, you've got um, kelvindailymail.com, mm. you know, it's my special URL I've um, bought mm. to put in the, the paper advert. I could then have that URL, which has a 301 redirect, and the 301 redirect, rather than just linking to kelvinsnormaldomain.com, mm. actually 301 redirects to kelvinsnormaldomain.com forward slash question mark UTM equals Daily Mail and all the yes. Google Analytics stuff that you've got there. Mm. And then they they still end up on the normal site. Google Analytics has tracked that that's their source and actually it's a separate way of doing that. So actually, I think that's probably the way I would go about doing it, thinking, mm. you know, I think that's actually, ignore the, the previous advice, all of, it, <laughs> all, of it, all of it could work, but actually I think the best way of doing it is buying a separate domain just for that, that press ad mm. Um, 301 that to a um, URL which you've created using the Google Analytics URL builder mm-hmm. which I think we've covered in a fairly recent episode but I'll put a, a link to it in, in the show notes Yeah. Um, and yeah then that will redirect to your main site once they're there analytics will let you know where they came from but they'll see just a completely normal version of your website Okay. We've talked ourselves into an even better solution <laughs> there. Brainstorming. I hope you understood that. If you go back, was it the previous, I can't remember if it was a previous or the previous, previous episode, we actually talked about the Google, Google Link Builder yeah. tool. But okay, if you get stuck, just give us, just drop us another email, John. Let's move on. Uh, next question, paper slidey sound. Uh, this one is from Mark Broughton. I hope I've got your surname right there, Mark. Um, hi, Kelvin and team. Thanks for the podcast, which I am now fully up to date with, having listened to each over the past weeks and thoroughly enjoyed. I am new to internet marketing, but I'm trying to research and understand the area as best I can for a new company project. We have recently launched a unique healthcare product sold through www 
opti3omega.com, and the three is a number three, uh, which uh, is niche, but is best in class, uh, has numerous USPs, so we believe will lend itself uh, well to affiliate marketing. Um, That is plenty of positive content. It's unique, not a commodity, and we know we have a receptive audience. We just need to get the story and reach out there. Um, In a past episode, you discussed affiliate marketing and focused on companies such as Affiliate Window. I have contacted them but was politely told we were small fry and had to come back when we had some significant critical mass, etc. A quick Google search yields loads of potential options, but I'm also reading in various forums about the pitfalls of a bad partner. My question is, can you recommend one or more affiliate networks in the sector of healthcare products and or can you advise where I can find reviews Mm. and or a directory of networks operating in this space? Thanks and keep up the great content. Yes, yes. Now, I mean, what... It was dismissed. Well, I think the problem with Affiliate Window is that they are, you know, they're a big agency and they deal with big e-commerce online retailer businesses. So if you are a startup, they're not not perfect so actually what was quite serendipitous about this is when mark emailed me that exactly that day um by chance we'd also covered that exact same topic on the premium podcast ah. um, so we've done a week about affiliate marketing three or four of the episodes were about how to make money um if you were like a blogger or a website from affiliate deals but then the final episode we did in that week was about how to set up an affiliate program as a merchant um, so there's a special podcast on that where we go into a bit more detail, but to give you a, a, on the premium sites, that's at premium.internetmarketingpodcast.org. But to give you a quick answer, um, Mark, is there's really sort of like two options I'd probably consider if you're not at the kind of scale or reach to go with one of the big networks. Um, so the first one is to go to, to like a website like shareasale.com. And they're a network in the same way that um, Affiliate Window is, but they're more aimed at smaller kind of businesses that don't necessarily have that kind of existing large-scale um, enterprise, you know, um, setup. So mm-hmm. for smaller startups, they do a lot in kind of the informational product and a lot of the internet marketing sector, um, but also tend to be a little bit more comfortable dealing with smaller businesses. Um, what I will say is they're probably a little bit US-centric, but they do deal with you know merchants and affiliates all over the world. So that's one side there that's worth considering, going to a network that's a little bit smaller than Affiliate Window. The other option is to try and set up your own complete scheme. Now, on the premium podcast, we have an affiliate scheme so people can earn commission if they send us traffic mm. to the, 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 the show. And um, that works via the system that Subhub, which is the CMS we use, recommend. And it's actually, having used it, it's quite a powerful little piece of... Um, software um, to set up your own affiliate scheme mm. and it's known as iDev Affiliate and essentially it's uh, it's the back end it handles all of it you just give someone a URL they go in enter their you know details sets them up as a system gives them a unique URL that redirects to your site and then manages all of the back end of it and all you need to do is just have a PayPal account and once a month whenever there's commissions there you go in, put in your PayPal details, and it will send out all the money to all your affiliates there. Covenant, is this separate to Subhub? Or, yeah, it's or completely separate. It's, separate yeah, it, okay. I mean, Subhub allow you to plug it into them. Okay. But, um, so it's known as iDev Affiliate. It's a little bit more complicated to set up than something like um, ShareASale might be because they're a network. But um, iDev Affiliate is kind of a very, you know, it's it's tens of dollars a year, as it were, as opposed to hundreds or thousands of dollars. So it's not an expensive um option to go through if you've got a relatively small business that you want to set up an affiliate scheme for and it manages all the you know membership side of things so you can give certain affiliates certain commissions you can have 
different um, relationships. So some people are paid on a pay-per-click basis. Some people are based, paid a set fee for every sale. Some people are paid a 25% commission, a 10% commission. Mm. It's really, really clever what it can do there. So well worth having a look into those. Like I say, we cover it in a bit more detail in the premium podcast, but for anyone out there who's interested in, um, you know, selling their product via affiliate marketing as a merchant rather than as an affiliate, um, well worth exploring share a sale and iDev affiliate as two possibilities there. Oh, we need to put those in the show notes. Yes, definitely, definitely. So if you could uh, send those along and I'll, we'll get those in. All... No, you do the show notes. I do the show notes. I'll make sure the show notes then. <laughs> Good grief. Right, okay. Well, I hope that answered your question, uh, Mark. Let's move on to the third one. Paper slidey sound. This one is from Linda Graham. Hi there. Uh, Linda from Sutton in Quebec, Canada here. I run a B&B called Vert Lemont. B&B, www.bbsutton.com. And I'm also in charge of marketing our wonderful little village of Sutton via www.infosutton.com, which we built ourselves using Joomla. Presumably that's the website, not the actual village. Um, <laughs> a village made by Joomla. That'd be impressive. Yeah, that would be, that'd be a first, wouldn't it? Uh, okay, moving on. Get sensible, Andy. Uh, my background is in marketing, but I have had to learn the internet side of things through web research, uh, books, and of course your podcasts, which I have been listening to for about 18 months and find them exceptionally useful and practical. Thank you very much for that, Linda. Um, I try to pass on my knowledge to other small businesses in the area. One question that keeps coming up is what can a really little business do to help themselves get a presence on the web if they genuinely cannot afford the time or money to build a website? My suggestions are, one, create a listing in Google Places, two, Mm -hmm. create a blog, and three, look for sites that review or talk about your product and create content, e.g., for me, in the travel business, that means TripAdvisor, Wikipedia, Wikitravel, Mm -hmm. etc., and four, post relevant photos on sites like Flickr, and five, create a Facebook fan page. What would your suggestions be, Kelvin? I I think that a show about low or no-cost internet marketing strategies for teeny-tiny businesses could be really interesting. I would love to contribute my own experiences. Many thanks. Um, Linda Graham. Yes, some great suggestions there from Linda. She's actually taken the five that probably would have been the first five suggestions that I would have made for like trying to get a presence online if you don't really have the money to to set up a full-blown website. And Google Places, particularly in the travel sector, absolutely essential or google local as it used to be known you really need a listing on there Mm. and some kind of presence we've talked about it in previous episodes so i'll drop a a link we did one of the brain dumps on um what determines google local rankings so look back through previous shows if you're working in the travel sector because we've done a special on google local um yeah also approaches like going on TripAdvisor again very very sensible rather than building your own website just contribute to websites that already exist mm. um yeah and some top advice there. i mean some other relatively cheap or low-cost options i could say um google offer the ability to create a website very cheaply well like for free essentially with their google sites system there's lots of websites out there that let you create a, a free website but um google's sites is pretty good because you can integrate like google analytics and google local very very easily to yeah, that yeah. so that's google sites well worth exploring there and essentially you can make a website for free and it's not any more complicated to produce than it would be to put together a word document okay. so it uses all you should celebrate yourself every day but some days you should celebrate with jewelry whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. WYSIWYG. Yes, it's not. For most people, it probably wouldn't have the, the functionality or flexibility that you would get from a proper, well-designed website. But if you're looking at the kind of person who doesn't have the money to go out and build a website like that, it's you know a good option. But I would say it's not that expensive to build a basic website. If you go to mm. Elance or Odesk or any of these kind of outsourcing opportunities and say, here's the copy I want on my website, here's a website I like, it's going to cost you know very little money to get someone to build that for you overseas, I would have thought on that side. I, I do have another suggestion, but I don't really know how suitable it is for businesses, and that's Flavors.me. Yeah. Familiar no, with that no, 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 no. Um, Flavors.me... Actually, in all, in all honesty, Linda, it's probably more you know, sort of lined up for individuals rather than businesses. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's free. Flavors.me. Uh, it's very simple, very basic, but it lets you sort of bring in all your Twitter feeds and bits and yeah. bobs and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, it's an idea. But to be honest with you, I think I think probably the, be better uh, for individuals yeah. rather than yeah. And I mean, the other option is we always talk about Mailchimp. It, it's amazing what Mailchimp. So it's an email marketing solution will allow you to do for free. So um, you can ha- you get. When you sign up for Mailchimp, you get, um, uh, I think it's 2,000 credits, and you're allowed up to 500 people on your mailing list, and you can use all of those for free. So with Mailchimp, what you could do is, say you're like a little B&B in, um, is it Sutton in Quebec? Yes, it is. And yeah. you've got your email addresses of your last 50 visitors that you've got. You could take all those email addresses, put them into Mailchimp, write an email out. It would go out to all those people who are on that list and then give you some reporting based on who opened it, who clicked through and that kind of thing. And actually sometimes that's for a small business, you're much more effective spending your time marketing to people who have already bought from you. Mm. So rather than trying to convince someone new who doesn't know you from Larry, um, to, to it's, it's from Adam, isn't it? It's not from Larry. I don't know why that came up. It's not from Adam. <laughs> um, but yeah, rather than trying to convince someone who's ne- never come across you before to buy or, you know, to visit you, you're often much more effective trying to make more of the people who are already customers. So if someone's visited you before, can you send them an email to encourage them to book again for the next year or recommend a friend to come? Um, you know, say, hey, I hope you really enjoyed your staying at this B&B. Um, would you like to recommend us to your, your friends? If you do, we'll send you a bottle of wine or something like that. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, all those kind of things I think are actually some of the a good way to do some low cost marketing rather than trying to build a whole up, whole new website up use email because um, you, you'll already have that from your customers and if you use something like MailChimp it won't cost you any money to get started 
And if it starts to prove positive, the return, you can then spend the money to get extra credits on MailChimp as and when you feel that you're getting the value from it. And of course, I never mentioned before, but uh, Twitter. Yeah, yeah. And LinkedIn, etc. Yeah, yeah. Places. Yeah, um, any of those social networks where you can create a page for free is well worth exploring. If you mm. think that you think that your customers are using those sites you're mad not to try and at least get some kind of presence there yeah and it doesn't cost you any money but also just to say that i think you know i don't know what the canadian dollars rate is to um, british pounds at the moment but you know you can get a website built in the uk for you know a small simple website that's got a couple of pictures of your page a description of what you do and a link to your you know phone number and email address for you know you know not very many pounds at all really Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yes, have a listen back to our, to our, to our uh, Twitter uh, interview with yes. um, Michaela Wilkins. That might, that might be quite useful as well. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Fourth and final question. This one is from David Moforth. I'm not sure where in the world he's from. Maybe he'll say in his, in his letter. Letter. How old-fashioned. He email. sent us a, a hand-scribed letter. He sent us a letter with, with a, a scroll on parchment. <laughs> sent yeah. to us by, a, by a, I don't know, a travelling pigeon. Travelling pigeon. Uh, travelling pigeon. Hello, Kelvin, or hi, Kelvin. I'm really enjoying listening to IMPC, that's Internet Marketing Podcast. Uh, keep up the good work, as all the information so far has been very useful. I have two questions for the team, one relating to setting up a new website and another about email campaigns. Firstly, I'm looking to set up a new website and would really like to include a contact address somewhere on there. I currently don't have an office as I work from home, so would have to include my home address, brackets, which for obvious reasons I don't want to do, brackets. People have mentioned about using PO box addresses and having the mail redirected back to my address. This sounds like a good idea, but after doing some digging around, it seems like customers don't really trust website with PO box websites with PO mm-hmm. box addresses. Brackets, not one hundred percent sure if this information is correct. Brackets, and uh, recommended renting an address from the Royal Mail. Um, which out of the above options, if any, would you recommend? Uh, my second question relates to email campaigns. Um, I would like to send out a promotional email when the website goes live, notifying customers of the new website. I also plan to include a promotional discount code within the email campaign. I've sent out a few email, ca- email campaigns in the past using Campaign Monitor to send both HTML and text emails. The problem I find with HTML mails is the customer might not have the pictures downloaded, so the email will look very unappealing due to all the red crosses. The red crosses. That's what you get when they don't download, yeah. isn't it? Therefore, most customers will just delete the email or not pay much attention to it. Brackets. I know I have done this with emails I have received. Brackets. Um, should I therefore just send out text emails, which will never have this problem, or should I send out both HTML and text emails in the hope that the text is appearing is appealing enough for customers to then download the images included in the email? Thanks in advance. Kind regards, David. Oh, so there's two, yeah, the two elements of the question there. The first one about um, your business location, if you're, you're working yes. from home. Yeah. It's an interesting question there. I mean, I can understand the logic and I am one of those people that probably wouldn't trust a business that had a PO box address that highly, um, mm. to be honest. And there's also a downside to it as well that um, if you're trying to create, I don't know what the kind of business that um, that, that we're going after here for David. I don't think he's says- no. Um, but if you are the kind of business that wants to get a Google Places, so a Google local listing, um, they're not particularly keen on websites that have PO box um, addresses because what was happening was I could say I'm based down here in Brighton, but I would buy a PO box right in the centre of London and then say, hey, that's where my office is, and that would of course you know, um, mean that people were, you know, all buying PA boxes right in the centre of London when they'd be based all over the place. So 
I can see the logic there. I don't know what the cost is of renting a kind of real address from Royal Mail, um, but I would recommend maybe going for that over a PO box. I do know you can kind of get these kind of serviced office type setups, you know, like with mm. mailbox, etc., and all these kind of people where you have a um, that you know you send it to an office and then someone there forwards it on to you or puts it in a box you know so it's like a PO box but they yeah. don't call it a PO box that's another option to consider there as well I suppose it, a lot of it's to do with cost really if it's a small business and you've not um, you don't want to associate it with your home address it's that kind of managing um, that side of it so I would probably steer away from a PO box and look into either renting a dress from Royal Mail or looking at um, you know kind of a serviced office type forwarding house mm. that you can get um, and that's quite good as well because you can sometimes use those people you know the, the service office type people to have a phone number as well so they can call the reception yeah. and manage that have you got any ideas on how well, you go about doing um, if you're in that boat the way I'm thinking on this is um, do you actually truly need to allow people to send things to a physical address because uh, most people have a contact form so they can just email yeah or a phone number. I mean, I also know people that have their accountant's address as their registered office. Oh, I mean, okay. I, I do. Yeah. Um, but I, I also do specify the studio address. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I don't know. What, I, I'm not entirely sure whether there are the legal ramifications of you ought to have your address somewhere on the website, um, just for kind of that kind of terms and conditions side of things. Mm. But yeah, Part of the reason for having that physical address there is to build a bit of trust. But if you don't want to put your address up, I don't think you're necessarily losing out. It will depend on the kind of business. You don't really want people knocking on your door anyway. So it's that mm. kind of, yeah, like you said, Andy, the, the accountant is, you know, if they're prepared to offer that kind yeah, of... Yeah, I think if yeah. they're a bit, one of the bigger accountant firms, yeah. not, not, perhaps not so much with smaller accountants, but yeah. if they're one of the bigger firms, yeah, I think normally they're quite happy for them to be the registered address, address of your yeah. office. Yeah. So, yeah, worth exploring that as an option as well. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Not a question I've come across particularly before, but um, I think he's right to be concerned about some of the trust implications of a PO box because Mm. you think you would be adding an address to increase the trust in your business, but then if you put a PO box, you're probably not really benefiting from that. So Mm. if you're going to go down the PO box route, maybe you're better off not putting an address on the website at all. Or just encourage people to email you. I mean, you could say we're based in wherever you are, based in Bristol or Brighton or whatever. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I would encourage, yeah, I would encourage electronic yeah. Uh, contacting. Yeah, well, it's gonna, it's gonna be, it's probably the way that um, David will want to communicate anyway. So he's not gonna expect to get mail. So mm. from that side of things, I think it's probably best. Moving on to the second part about text versus HTML yeah. emails. Um, yeah, there's, I had exactly this question um, from um, from a friend over the weekend actually talking about this, and I think. I'm a big advocate of text-based emails. Well, not... Okay, let's get this right here. What I'm not trying to... There's two ways when you're in most email uh, marketing software solutions. You can send an HTML version and you can send a plain text version. Mm. And the plain text version is what will probably appear if someone's on a mobile device or if they're using like a web interface for their um, uh, email. I know like I check my Outlook via um, like a kind of web interface and that strips out all the the formatting of that. So that goes down to the, the plain text version. I'm not recommending sending all your emails out in plain text because there are downsides to that. Like mm. You can't embed a link. It's not a clickable link there. But what I am quite sometimes a big fan of is rather than having a big visual HTML email, I'm sometimes quite keen to almost use the HTML to format some text. Mm-hmm. So it looks like a normal email because nine times out of ten, 
it will depend on your business and what you're trying to achieve with your email marketing. But in this case, where David just wants to tell them about a new website, that would probably work better as an email that looked like it was David writing to the person personally, mm-hmm. rather than a kind of, hey, here's a flashy kind of image-based one. And I think one criticism I have of um, like MailChimp campaign monitor and all that, you know, Gatormail and all these different options you can use for email marketing is that they really encourage you to use a template. And sometimes I don't think the template actually helps you. You know, if you're trying to kind of promote a sales option and it's kind of almost like a leaflet and you've got links through to different products and you need the images of the products there, mm. yeah, then use an HTML template. Um, but if you're just trying to send a short message that's kind of communicating something that, you know, if you were if you were to send that email to an individual person, would you write it just as plain text? If you would, I'd say, well, send it out to everyone like that, I think. Mm. Mm. Um, the good thing with email marketing in all cases is you can A-B test it. And if you're kind of doing a regular email out, then I think you're right to test the HTML templated version and HTML text-based version and see which performs best. But I think in David's case, where it's just to announce a particular product, I'd explore kind of keeping it as simple as possible, really, because I am entirely of that frame of mind that if I get an email that kind of I need to download these images and then I don't actually see anything because there's big red crosses there. You know, email we're all overloaded with email and email needs to do something really, yeah. really good to, to stand out and anything that makes it more difficult, I think is really blowing your chances. Can I just describe my feelings about uh, yeah. bulk email? One of the things that really, um, and I, I must preface all this with a caveat. I mean, don't yeah. take this, because I'm just me, it's yeah. just my yeah. opinion. But basically, one of the things that really irritates me is if I've already had a, like a one-to-one relationship with a client, with, yeah. with, with someone, yeah. a business partner or client, a potential supplier, whatever, and therefore I've been receiving some emails backwards yeah. and forwards. One thing that really drives me mad is if I then start to get a bunch of marketing emails from them, yeah. which look completely different. Uh, yeah. And I don't know, it just, it just winds me up. Yeah. And it's interesting what you said about um, how do you phrase your emails yeah. that go out to people. Mm. So I think you have to be a bit careful there how you do it. Well, I mean, it's one of the things, you know, to go back to the, the premium podcast, the way that we do that is so every day, the people who have signed up for the premium podcast get sent an email notifying them of the new video that's gone up or the new best practice document yeah. that we've put up. Um, and little plug, 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 um, premium podcast, uh, so premium.internetmarketingpodcast.org. But the way that I try to do that with those daily emails is kind of, yes, I am using MailChimp to send those out mm. because... You know, we've got the, the numbers. Basic, of subs- yeah, we've got those numbers of subscribers there that it's just not feasible to send out an email to everyone mm. individually. But I try and write them like I'm sending them to the people individually because yeah. you know all these people are members of the community. I talk to them in the forum. Some mm. of them have sent in questions. They're people we've met. You know, so we've got a personal relationship there. I don't think those people are going to benefit from a from a whizzy template there. Yeah. What they want to uh-huh. do is yeah. see what video we we're talking about that day. I almost try to make it a little bit more personal. So I talk about, you know, stuff that's going on. So what are we doing mm. this week? What, you know, I mean, yeah, admittedly at the I'm moment, it seems to be was, mostly yeah. about my facial hair, but <laughs> we'll you know. There's usually something. a little comment at the yeah. beginning, isn't there, about yeah. what's been going on? Yeah. yeah, and I think that, you know, in, in our case, that that's perfect for the community because mm. everyone who's a, a sign-up member of the Premium Podcast and for everyone who's listening to the audio podcast, nine times out of 10, you're pretty savvy internet marketers. You know, you're not going to get tricked by an email marketing and people going, wow, these guys are super amazing. What you're interested in is the content. Mm. And I think a lot of businesses would be wise to treat their customers with that same kind of respect. It's like, yes, they're going to know that this is a marketing email, but try and frame it in a way that's friendly, 
leaves a good impression of you and makes it clear what the purpose of that email is. And in this case, David wants to let people know he's got a brand new website. So I'd maybe send an HTML email that um, is mainly text-based and let them know that they're updating the website. And I'd even ask them, put your email address in there and ask people to send you back feedback because that's actually what David's after here rather than necessarily um, just a, you know, he's... Make it two-way. I think too many people use email marketing just to broadcast. I think use it as a way to start a conversation where you can follow up with people individually afterwards. Brilliant. Yeah, and and, and the template in, isn't always the best way to go. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that brings us, I think, to the end of uh, the questions, doesn't yes. it, Colin? And therefore the end of the show. Mm-hmm. It's worth saying as well um, that because, yeah, we're, we're now on our weekly, well, we've been on a weekly schedule for ages now, but because we're doing a Q&A session um, once every four weeks, we're always looking for good questions for people to come in. Um, the easiest way to send them to me is via email. So if someone can send me an email to Kelvin, so that's K-E-L-V-I-N um, dot Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N at sitevisibility.com. Um, also we keep an eye on Twitter as well so if anyone uses the hashtag hash IMPC we will always pick that up and give it a read and we've also got a super duper and we love it when people do this we've got a super duper voicemail thing where you can ring in it's an answer machine and it will take your message so you can record your question as um, as you would an answer phone message and we Mm -hmm. can then include that in the show so the number for that is impossible to remember i but, say it's at the end of my uh, but it's, it's, the, it's Andy's bit at yeah. the end of the show so get a pen ready and write that down if you've got a question because we love it when people send them into us as audio questions because you know it sounds a lot better on the show and we can understand exactly what it is that yeah. you're talking about that funny bloke at the end will say the number uh just before we go is actually uh kelvin was mentioning a couple of weeks ago that oh, we ought to do something special for the 100th episode yep and then he mentioned some stupid joke about me doing it naked in the street or something which I just ignored. <laughs> it's actually on Christmas Eve. Is it on Christmas it's, Eve? It's the 24th of December. Oh, that, that's going to be even... Well, I mean, one <laughs> thing we're definitely going to do is that people won't realise this, but whenever... Because Andy cuts it off at the beginning, but whenever we record one of these podcasts, we do a little acapella audio version of the song that goes at the beginning of the podcast for the 100th episode. That's definitely going to... We're going to do away with a normal no, audio I intro. I want christmas sort of ding-dong belly version of okay, it. Okay, well, we'll have to do two versions. One where we do an acapella one and one where we get christmas bell version but no that's exciting so that wraps it up so it's goodbye from me andy white and goodbye from me kelvin newman thanks see you next week well that's it for today thank you so much for listening you can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes links and instructions on how to subscribe We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, if you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. If you're inside the UK, it's 01273 256 150. And you can leave a voice, comment or question and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a a rating on iTunes itself. Well, that's it for now. Andy White signing off until next week on Internet Marketing. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.